David Bakey is a man steeped in lower league football in Scotland. There's not a lot he hasn't seen as a player, manager and now a chairman. His most successful stay was at Tayport, where across 13 years he amassed nearly 30 trophies, including two Scottish Junior Cups. He retired from management in 2015, but he couldn't stay away from the port, and for the past four years he's been heading up things in the boardroom. We'll hear how he's finding life out of the dugout, and look back at his career in it. With more teams voting to join the East of Scotland League this year, Tayport are now the only five team left in junior football. They're currently one of four teams with maximum points in the East Region Premiership North. We'll speak to David about the new landscape at this level and what he thinks the future holds. All that and we have our first sponsor for the show. It's all here as we go down the divisions. Good to have you along for another 60 minutes or so looking at Scotland's lower leagues. A defeat on the weekend for uh, for your new Mains United side to East Cobright Thistlepool, but uh, you're left feeling a bit hard done by by the sounds. Not so much hard done by, but it was it was one of these games where I'd watched them a couple of times. They did a game on Saturday on a live stream, so I was kind of watched. So, you know, we, we shaped up well against them. We knew what we were going to get. They play very direct football and probably for 34, 35 minutes they, they were hitting the ball long and their keeper was gathering and they were trying to build momentum and go again and it was just one of these kind of scrappy games but I felt in terms of football-wise we had our game plan and we stuck to it and, and it worked well and then we lose a goal and I think it was about the 83rd, 84th minute where it's our throwing and our half and then and we're trying to obviously attack East Colbride, we make a throw-in, we lose the ball, a ball gets played through from Craig Scott, who was our captain previously at our club, and they're left to go clear on goal, and we've got a decision to make, we either bring the player down and take a foul, or we go one-on-one with a keeper, but having looked back on it in the video, we only really need to, I suppose, jockey the guy and, and, and let him make a decision, so probably a wee bit of decision-making from us, poor decision making has probably cost us the game. But in terms of where we, well, everybody knows where we, we've come from, you know, I have to be pleased as well going to a team like East Colbride. And okay, it was a 1 0 defeat, nobody's happy with a defeat, but uh, it just probably shows how far we've come on over the last probably 12 to 18 months. Good stuff. Um, as I said, we have a first sponsor of the show. We'd like to welcome along design agency 44 Creative. And to thank them for their support, they have a team of highly skilled and passionate photographers, graphic designers and videographers to help promote your content, brand, organization or event. They make creation personal. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com and we'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too. Back to the show, and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Send us any post-match audio interviews you have, and we'll play them on the show. Our email address is divisions at gmail.com. That's divisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I'm Adam Hopes, co-manager of Drumchapel United, and you're listening to Down the Divisions.
Tayport Chairman David Bakey is our guest this week. Thanks for being with us, David. Thank you for inviting me, yes. We'll, uh, we'll chat some more in a moment, but before we do, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club, then give you the answer at the end of the show. This week, Paul, you've got the clues. I've got the clues now, David. I'm not wanting you just shouting out the answer here. I know, I know you're an eager beaver, so just, just sit in your hands here. <laughs> so the team was founded in 1884. Their badge bears their initials. They have a dedicated band of fans known as the Chris Akabusi Loyal. <laughs> and they have an international supporters club based in Oslo, Norway. Gareth knows it. That's an easy clue at the end, that, isn't it? Uh, I should, look at the two of you. You're like, kind of like Cheshire Cats. There, I, man. I, I, no, I, I've not got it. You've not got it? Oh, well, no, that's good. No. I like that. Gareth has, though. I, I, I nearly thought, I thought about them on the third clue, but the fourth clue's nailed it. Right, okay. I don't know where the third clue even comes from, so you can maybe enlighten me on that later on. I could be totally wrong, so uh, but we'll, we'll find out at the end of the show. Okay. My name is Brown Ferguson, manager of Unlithgow Rose, and you are listening to Down the Divisions. Tapeport chairman David Bakey is our guest this week. Uh, Davey, as I said in the intro there, you retired from management five years ago. How, how are you finding your Saturdays now you're a chairman? Uh, I suppose it was difficult to begin with when I stopped, you know, but I'd made the decision. I just felt that at the time, uh, you know, the kids were changing different you know, uh, a different outlook on life with the kids. And I just felt that it was the right time for me to step down. I think I may have I'd been offered, uh, you know, another senior post. I probably probably accepted it, but I, I made a decision I wasn't going to uh, stay in managing junior football uh, again, you know. So, but, um, so I was just enjoying my, my, my retirement when I got a phone call at the Blue for uh, one of the committee at Tayport and, um, at the time, the, 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 the then secretary and chairman, who were brothers, um, they decided to park up after about you know, 45, 47 years as, as secretary and chairman. And so the club was left in a bit of a position. There wasn't a many, there were only four committee men there. And, uh, and the, the gentleman that asked me to come along was uh, unfortunately uh, had terminal cancer. So I just felt duty bound to go back and you know join the committee and help out and of course they had an AGM and immediately somebody I proposed Davey Becky as the chairman mm-hmm. I seconded that and within you know ten minutes back I'm the chairman of Tapeport Football Club so that's that's <laughs> and I, I probably, I'm probably doing more work now uh, than I ever done. Uh, as a manager, <laughs> so but I'm enjoying it. It's different, uh, but it's in the blood and Tayport's in my blood. So uh, you know, I'm giving a lot back to them. So I mean, and I'm, as I say, I'm enjoying my time. I suppose it's a great insight, Dave. Obviously, being a manager, you turn up on a Saturday, and a lot of the stuff's done for you on match days is now giving you 
uh, a, a different side of uh, what, what a football club's like, I suppose. Uh, what does your sort of Saturdays now consist of? Mine isn't too bad because, uh, you know, we've got a lot of a good guys at a club who, you know, put the goals up and mark the pitch and do other, other these things that need to be done. You know, I tend to uh, turn up with a, a shirt and tie on and <laughs> mosey around, you know. But, uh, but I mean, it's, it's the work that goes in during the week for me, you know. Uh, at the present, we're, we're, we took advantage of the, the lockdown and... We've really done the place up, you know, and I've been, I've just no long back from there, you know, doing a lot of painting and decorating. And I'm an electrician to trade, so I've rewired most of it. And we've got a big extension on the back now that was a, a huge porter cabin. Uh, we've put that in the back and I've renovated all that and with the help of a few people, you know. But so I've been keeping myself really busy over the, the, this lockdown, you know. Uh, wife will testify to that. <laughs> And that's, I suppose, a side of a club that, that, that people don't see. In terms of turning up on a Saturday afternoon for, for the game, do you miss that? No being in the changing room, no being about the boys? Or are you, are you quite happy and settled in the role that you're doing? There's a, there's a big part of me still wants to do it. You know, there's no doubt about it. But uh, I'm 67 now, which is not that old now for a manager. You see a lot of managers a lot older than me still doing it. But... Uh, as I say, I just felt it was the time was right for me. Uh, but I do miss it. I do miss being in the change room. I do miss, uh, you know, everything about it on the training ground. I love being on the training ground, uh, you know, and I, I like to coach. Uh, no, I wasn't just a manager. I was a coach as well. So uh, I do miss it. But, you know, it's just reality, isn't it? You know, it's just uh, the way it is, you know. You've got uh, Chris McPherson's obviously the manager there at the minute did you feel it was important coming back in to to make the distinction that you wouldn't be you wouldn't be going back out onto the training ground or you wouldn't be getting involved in team affairs and all that kind of thing did you, or, or does he come to you to guide for guidance uh well um, my door's always open for any manager we've had uh, you know and uh, basically the managers i've had have basically been you know obviously a lot younger than me but just finished their playing career really Chris is the same Chris was a goalkeeper and uh, and obviously I'm there for advice but I'm no I'm no one for you know interfering in any way because I can understand as a manager I've been there and done it uh, and I've had a chairman that's been in my ear uh, you know and it's, it's no good you know you need to have a good working relationship uh, with your manager I do that he gets on with it uh, if he comes to me and asks for me for advice, I'll give it. Uh, you know, and I, I think that's right and proper. You know. In terms of managing throughout the decades, you would have seen a huge shift in in, in player culture uh, towards the end of your managerial career. Did you? Did that put you off at all managing? Obviously, in in the beginning when you started as being a younger manager, you would have seen huge differences. Yeah, I think so. I think that was that was uh, you know a huge part of me deciding not to go on as a manager. You know the, the change in the culture and the kids coming through, and you know I, I don't know uh, what would I say. Uh, I, I I always wanted my players to you know to buy into what I, I, I wanted to do, and 
always had that, you know, and I always, you know, and we, we got the, the rewards for that. We were a huge, tight group. Every, every club I was with and, and uh, you know, obviously had a lot of success. But as time rolled on, in, in the last two or three years, I was, you know, I was feeling the difference, you know, that, the, you know, kids were not coming to the game. I'm sorry, I couldn't make it. My dog wasn't well and all this stuff, you know. And it's just a different uh, culture, a different attitude. And my players, you know, my players were desperate in the past to come to training and be there and be part of it. Nowadays, it's different. And, and you know, but it's just the way it is. It's just the way things progress. My manager obviously is younger and he could deal with it and cope with it and accept it, you know. And that's uh, something that I, I, would, I was starting to find difficult, you know. Um, so, you know, so there's been a huge change. There is. And, and what is it like being, what is it like being the guy watching now on a Saturday when you can't influence the game? You know, at least, did, did you find it almost as stressful, you know, uh, being, you know sort of sort of wanting the team to win, you know, think, supporting the team, yeah. but, but not being able to change it? Yeah. I think everybody down the years always looked back at that, you know, they the, 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 the were better back in the day and everything else. And yeah, it's just natural, you know, but, uh, I do stand and watch and see, you know, unforced errors on the park and, you know, just a, a, a poorer standard than I was used to, you know, and that frustrates me really bad, you know, uh, and uh, and it's like uh, it's accepted, you know, uh, whereas I couldn't accept that, you know, I, I wanted perfection for everybody, you know, and, and if one misplaced pass, he would be told privately, not, not in front of everybody. You know, I never did that. I never hair-dryed anybody. But I think uh, just the overall quality frustrates me, you know. But it's, it's at every club, you know, and I think it's probably through every every division, you know. How would you, what was your managerial style, David? Were you a good man manager, would you say? Or was it more technically and tactically that you, that you, you took things? Uh, I think man manager, yeah, I would, I would, I would say that that I was a good man manager. I think that uh, you know got the best out of players, and and you know when players needed to be uh, hey, kick up the backside or get a kick up the backside, they got it. But uh, it was always privately. I never, uh, and I went at half time. I could count on one hand where I actually picked on a player. You know, I, I would, I would. See where you know we're letting ourselves down, and that player knew in that area it was him. But I never, you know, never degraded any player in the dressing room, and I think uh, players accepted that. And back in the day, that was it was accepted getting hair dried and whatever. You know, guys going in and you know throwing things about, and but uh, I never really did that. You know, uh, but I, I think uh, when they expected a ball again. I didn't give it. When they didn't expect it, I gave it. Uh, you know, and that's that. I think that helped as well because some the players be coming shit, but a way to get it the day. But didn't I? You know, and I don't know. It worked for me. And was that deliberate? Was that something? You know, this is uh, we talk about sports psychology and stuff. Now, was this just something that that you felt I'll get a reaction better if I don't do that? Yes. Yeah. At times, you know, uh, as I say, uh, I, I, 
it was never pre-planned, I would say. It was probably uh, in the moment I made a decision walking off the park, uh, you know, and I never went in to the dressing room at half time. Immediately I walked off the park. I would go into another room with my coaches and give the players two or three minutes themselves. And invariably the experienced players would be having a go at the younger ones or whatever, you know. And as soon as I came in, that was that was it, silent, and it was me. You know, that was just the way I done it. You know, so to to, to let the players uh, hear their views on their own, and I, no doubt there've been a few blows thrown here and there, but that's the way it worked, it, and it, it worked for me. You know. Do you ever put your ear to the door to see what they're saying, Dave? If some shite, if some shite gets spoken there. <laughs> no, I always had, I always had the physio. <laughs> <laughs> the physio's always surprised. <laughs> Aye, they put, with that, that two or three minutes, oh, they put some world sterites in there, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. You, you, you mentioned earlier there, Davey, about looking at, looking at the standard right now and mentioned at the start there that the Taypot are the only five team left in junior football now. Mm-hmm. Being somebody, and we'll come on to your, your playing days later in the show, but being somebody who's had and enjoyed so much success in the juniors game, does it sadden to see you, uh, sadden you to see the way it's gone? Or do you think that this is evolution and it's going to ultimately end up benefiting the game? Or, or are we losing a tradition of Scottish football that is... Scottish football has been built on over the years. How, how, do, how do you feel about it right now? I think it's inevitable. It is sad that, uh, you know, the junior association could, in a few years' time, be no more. You know, an, an association that's been, I don't know, a century old, maybe longer. You know, so definitely sad about that. And uh, But at the same time, it's inevitable and... Many years ago, myself and Abby Oswald, uh, who was the secretary at the time of Tapeport, we set, we actually devised a, a pyramid system, and we actually put it in the Dun, in the Dundee paper and the, the Telegraph, and <laughs> we actually got a reprimand for the SGFA for actually doing it. Is that right? So that was that was uh, oh, thirty years ago, you know, uh, and it's bearing fruit now and. We are obviously still in the junior uh, association, mainly because I, I personally feel that a loyalty to the you know the old Tayside region, the Dundee teams, you know, primarily we're only three miles from Dundee, so uh, you know, uh, and we just, I just felt that uh, we'll stick with them because we're supposed to be going in block. Uh, it was supposed to be last season. It's not happened. But I think if it doesn't happen at the end of this season that we can enter the pyramid system, uh, then we're we're going to make a, a difficult decision as a club to ju- to apply to the east of Scotland. Obviously, you've managed at junior and senior. So, of, at your time at senior, you had a really successful junior side in Tapeport, which probably got you the post at, at senior level. You must have been looking back the way, though, at, at the time, Dave, and thinking to yourself, my Tapeport team could have competed with some of the teams in this league. So, I would have thought, like from your point of view, obviously the reason you come up with the pyramid system was, how do we get these teams in here? Because there'll be teams in senior football that's no possibly contributing, where all these other teams 
in the lower junior divisions really has something to offer the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. I mean, obviously, I had seven successful years at Tayport before I moved to Arbroath. And uh, there was, at the end of the day, there wasn't much, or, you know, we were probably a better side at Tayport and the team I joined at Arbroath. But, I mean, when I went to Arbroath, the chairman says to me, you've got seven players for next season. You know, that's a, you know, that's a professional side. And, and, you know, I had to work right through the summer to, you know, bring it. And it was primarily junior players that I brought in, you know, to that first season at Arbroath. So uh, you see it now, with the, you know, obviously, you know yourself, in the Lowland League now, Kelly Hearts and Bonnie Regros are, you know, they've moved up fairly quickly. And there's no doubt in my mind that some of them will end up in the Scottish Cup. Uh, sorry, in the Scottish League. Uh, so how did you how did you finish after that first year with the Broth then? Was it was it successful? Had they, had they finished higher with taking the boys to the junior football in? Yeah, we, uh, so I went and and I think it was ninety seven. Uh, I actually finished my last game. We won the league at Tayport up at Schoon Thistle, and the very next day I took the training session at Broth. Uh, we about eight or nine players, and uh, it was st- difficult to start. We we had a few friendlies and and we struggled, but as time wore on, we ended up getting promoted. Uh, they'd finished bottom of the Scottish third division then, uh, which is obviously the second division now. Uh, the season before, and I I got them promoted. We finished runners up. I think Alaba won the league, and we were runners up. So it was a the success kept going for me, and, and a, a number of junior players came in and made a big difference, you know. Just taking you back to what you said there about come the end of the season and what happens next, is is, is the feeling right now that a little bit like what happened in the West, that everybody will move en masse across? And then what you're saying is, if that doesn't happen, then you're going to have to do it yourself effectively. Yeah, uh, uh, Yes, I, I mean we, we've we've held off because we want to support the association and moving in block into the pyramid system. Uh, but as you say, we're the only five team left, and because strangely because we are south of the day, that is that is the dividing line. So we can apply to the east of Scotland now, you know, and and more than likely get membership. Whereas the Dundee teams, you know, Highland League didn't want them, east of Scotland didn't want them. It's hard to travel, you know, I presume, and uh, it's unfair, you know. So I think they were hoping to negotiate a, a, a Midlands League in the pyramid, you know, so whereas five Perth, Perth teams, Dundee teams would form a league there, you know. So you'd have the west of Scotland, the east of Scotland, the south of Scotland, and the and the Midlands, yeah, all feeding into the Lowland League. That's what has been proposed. Whether I, I don't, I'm not up to date on how it's actually gone. But as I say, as a club, we we feel that you know uh, we've no informed anybody yet. So you know, but we feel we have to get into the east of Scotland or into the pyramid system for the start of the next season. A Midlands league sounds probably a common sense thing. It's a it's a happy medium for for everybody. If if, and we're not saying that, that Tapo are 
were to be accepted into the East of Scotland League, how do you think the boys would find that? It's a lot of travelling, isn't it? And uh, uh, it certainly take you quite a, a bit out your way. Yeah, well, I mean, the old uh, East of Scotland uh, Super League was the same. I mean, there was one point where I think it was only myself and Lockheed United or something that was in the division of 14 or 16, and I was mainly doing the Lothian. So we were travelling every every other week anyway, you know. Down, it's obviously a financial burden because if you're putting on buses, you know. Uh, this is my chairman's hat on now because <laughs> it's uh, doing it to the cost, you know, and committee guys will go, it's going to cost us four or five grand now for buses, you know, but at the end of the day, you find it, don't you? That's it. Or you just take cars and give guys expenses, you know, but uh, worst case scenario, you know. How has it all been post kind of returning from COVID and everything in, in the leagues with you, Davey? I mean, talk to various guests on the show about how it's being administered over on the West, but how have you found all that, particularly, I guess, in your current role, I guess there's a bit more of an onus to make sure that, that things are being run in the right way when you're the chairman? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously we, we try to do our best on, you know, getting everything, the health and safety side of it, you know, anybody entering the ground, you know, temperature tests, you name it, uh, you know, what, what has to be done. We've now We've now got, uh, we're fortunate that we've got uh, three changing rooms at the club uh, and we've you know, newly formed sort of conference room and a new extension. So with the, the home team, our team are using the new dressing room and the, the, the conference room and the away team are using the home and away dressing room, if you, if you can understand that. You know, so we're, we're doing everything by the book, but it is... It's a bit of work, you know, a bit of work involved uh, to, to get that running properly, you know. It's quite interesting I hear that for the regions because part of us returning was we weren't, we weren't allowed to do that. So we're still changing in cars and uh, the kit man's yeah. got a van and he hands the kits out as, as they come along. Uh, so it's just interesting, isn't it, to find out how different regions do it and, and how it's working for other people. Well, I don't, I, but I don't know if that's true. I think that's a directive for the SFA, you know, that uh, you have to have, we had to submit drones. Right. Uh, to, and, and, you know, obviously show the two metres. So, like, in a way, the away team comes, they've got, about, they've got about eight in a home dressing room, six in the away dressing room, and there's actually three of them in the shower area. Right. Don't want to shower. So, uh, so, it's done that way. Uh, but, that is a directive that uh, you know yeah. we obviously satisfied them. Uh, Absolutely. But we're not allowed in the, the players are not allowed in the dressing room at half time. Right. Right. Uh, it's interesting to hear how other people do it. Maybe uh, <laughs> we see this every week now. Kenny, Kenny Young, who who's our fixture secretary, he's our go-to guy. Maybe uh, hopefully maybe this week uh, the West will have some update on the on changing facilities. That would be good. Certainly going back in the new year. Yeah. And, and I mean, financially, how, how has it left you, Davey? Because, again, we've had clubs through here being allowed to pull out before a certain deadline because they, they didn't feel they could fulfil things without any fans. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how, how, is, how has the club been through all this? Uh, well, at the beginning, uh, the, the players um, and the management accepted 
the situation graciously and, and you know, they all accepted that uh, they would start to be paid again on the first day, the first game, you know. So from March till, you know, the first game, uh, the end of November there, uh, you know, the players and management didn't take any any wages. They had contracts and they probably could have, you know, but uh, they accepted that. And uh, for the other side of it, we know no any gates and any of the fundraising stuff were gone because most of it was done in pubs and stuff like that, you know, where we do things and, and that. So we lost all that. We, we did a Just Giving page, uh, which, you know, brought in for about three and a half grand, which was brilliant. It was a lifesaver, you know. And, you know, a lot of former players and, you know, uh, people, supporters, really supported that, which was fantastic, you know. But our main source of income at Tapo is car boot sales. <laughs> and we, we have a, we normally have a car boot sale every second Sunday from the end of March through to uh, mid-October. That's where our funds come from, you know. Uh, and, of course, we couldn't have them. So, but then... Uh, it did happen, and we, we, we rattled in 10 in a row. Uh, the weather was with us, it was great, um, and we got 10 car boot sales right in the back of each other. So that that made a huge difference. And probably, you know, a lot of clubs are not in our position, but we got that. So it's really helped us, you know. Interesting. Um, I'm going to ask you, I mean, you've obviously had this, this long association with Taipo, and you've kept coming back. What, what for, for you... You're a Dundonian, but obviously Tayport's become your home. What 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 is it about the club? What is it about the club that's kind of so special to you, if you like? And, and what, why have you kept coming back? Yeah, well, uh, I, you remember Peter Marr, who was the chief executive of Dundee. Peter, yeah. uh, when Tayport went uh, from amateur to junior in 1990, he asked Peter to uh, be the manager. Peter had managed an amateur team in Dundee, but Peter having no no junior experience, uh, you know, somebody recommended myself. I was playing at downfield and I was about 37 year old and I'd done a few coaching badges and that by that time. Uh, so I met Peter and we decided you know, I would go with co-managers uh, the first season. Peter left at the end of that year um, and uh, so had seven fantastic years, you know. We won the, the league seven years in a row. Fair went in, I'd won three three leagues at Downfield prior to that, so I'd actually won ten leagues in a row, uh, which uh, and I, I'd won a lot of these cups, you know. So it's just obviously it's my first club as a manager, uh, a really homely club. It's you know community related. Uh, you know, the pubs supported the local pubs and that support the team. And it's just a, you know, it's a small community, but a very tight-knit community, you know. So, and eventually I, I bought a pub in Tayport. I had a local pub. And um, so, you know, the association's there. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, we moved here in, I don't know, 96, 1996, and I've been here ever since, you know. I'm still an incomer, by the way. <laughs> the, the locals, you're never, you're never fit for. <laughs> Obviously, the club is a modern club in terms. Of, it was founded in 1947. It's no like an old traditional junior club. 
to have won three Scottish Cups, Scottish Junior Cups, is phenomenal. What's the what's the secret to that in such a short space of time? Um, I better not say. Secret. I'm getting embarrassed. No, um, well, I, I think you know, from from my own point of view, at that early days, we well, obviously uh, the club was found. Uh, club was founded in 47 as an amateur club and it uh, went junior in 1990 you know so I think three years into it we, we ended up playing Glenafton in the Scottish Cup final in 93 we lost 1-0 uh, we were robbed to, you know but, uh, but in where was that played Dave was that at Fir Park that was at Fir Hill Fir Hill right I think yeah Fir Hill yeah yeah Fir Hill we beat Oc- we beat Oc- and let in the semis 3 0 at Fir Hill as well, uh, which was an amazing night, you know. But uh, so, and we just kept, you know, we just kept, I just kept adding a couple of quality players coming in, and we got stronger and stronger. And we obviously won it in '96, and we lost it uh, to Pollock in '97. And then I just I got offered that Bruce job, and that, that was me. So, but it's, it's just because uh, I, I kept going back. It's because I just love the place, you know. Uh, uh, and the people are great. The supporters are great, you know. You, you mentioned beating uh, Auchinleck in uh, 93. I, I saw somewhere you said that was kind of almost like a, a coming of age for the club because no Tayside team had reached the final for 39 years, I think, before that. And do you still look back on that game now is a, a sort of a watershed moment for the club. Yeah, I mean, pe- people ask me what was, you know, in management, the, the probably the greatest achievement. And I kind of look back to that semi-final as opposed to winning the cup. Yeah. Which might sound a bit Irish, but uh, I just felt that the, it was such a huge challenge for us, you know. Uh, you know, three-year-olds as a club, you know, they were, they'd won it, I think, three years prior to that, I think. You know, they were just, you know what often that's like, they're just the giants of junior football. And, uh, and you know, I, I, I felt that uh, to beat them and beating them uh, as we did was my greatest achievement as a manager, you know. And the day went almost perfect for me, you know. The preparation we did, uh, actually, I don't know if you heard a boy called Jack Black, uh, but Jack Black, uh, 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 my daughter went to the Hot Cold Harriers, right? She was only eight or nine. And Liz McCaughan, uh, obviously, was a member of the Hot Cold Harriers there. And so I used to you know, meet her from time to time up there. And it was her that said to me, Jack Black helped me win the World Championships, you know? Uh, and I said, You got a number for him? And she said, Yeah. And so she gave me a number. And about Two weeks later, he came back and phoned me and said, look, I could come up. And, uh, but I said, what, what do you charge? He says, well, I normally do a two-day session, and it's £200 per person. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm counting in my head as I'm speaking on the phone. I said, that's going to cost us about four grand or something. I can't, we can't afford that. Can I said, we couldn't afford it. I said, but he says, do you think you could win? I says, yeah, I think you could win. 
have you helped me? And he says, right, I'll do it for a grand. So he came up. He just came up one night and did it. It was magnificent, you know. Uh, you know, he just changed the mindset of the players because I felt that we, we we were as good as them, but playing against, you know, giants, you know, and, and their mentality was much stronger than ours. So it, he brought the mentality, we may help as well, up to, to, you know, to their standard. And on the night, we, we won 3-0, you know. What, what exactly did he do to do that, though? What, what was he doing? Wait till I get my pen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that block, obviously, uh, you know, it's uh, the power of the mind, you know. Yeah. And, and he basically, what he did is took all the negativity for the players and he gave them exercises and everything else that, you know, you know, I don't know, an electricity bulb comes dropping through the letterbox and you open it and it's 400 pounds, you know, and you're going to crack up, but... One, uh, my, my goalkeeper said he got a gas bill through the door and he just shouted, fantastic. Came and he looked at the bill. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the, main, the mentality, you know, that uh, you say, if somebody says to you, how are you doing? You say, no bad. He would say, no, that's two negatives, no and bad. You have to say fantastic or magnificent, wonderful, amazing. These sort of things. And it was just, you know, it, it really helped the players get, get over that night. There was no fear, you know, uh, as we went out to, to, I mean, the game itself, for 25 minutes, we were bombarded, but we held firm, you know, and then we scored against the run of play, got a penalty. But in the second half, we annihilated them. I'm not telling you what I'd say at half time, but <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, that must have been that must have been ahead of your time though. When you think back now, that was that was when '93. You know, everybody's everybody's doing similar things now, aren't they? Or have done over the last uh, 25 years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as I say, it was just that conversation with Liz McCoggan, and I, and I thought, goodness, I've got to do this. You know, I've got to, I've got to persuade the committee to part me a thousand pound. Uh, to get this guy up, and uh, that, that, you know, that certainly worked. It helped, you know. It's a big gamble, wasn't it? A thousand pound for a, a way back then. But uh, I hear your, I hear your goalkeeper still hugging the postman every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fraser. Uh, but uh, it was uh, at half time when we were getting, we were one 0 up and. I remember going in, in the dressing room. I don't know, for a hole, we were in the dressing room underneath the, yep. the bottom one, right? And uh, there's hardly any natural light in there. And uh, and uh, I went in and it was like, there was about 40 people in this dressing room. And our, our committee were there and everybody's talking 10 to the dozen and the players are that excited. And I had to I threw them out, you know, oh, the committee, I said, you've got to leave here. And I said to my goalie coach, you go in the door. And I want you, I'll give you the nod, I want you to switch the lights off. So I had to calm them down, you know. And uh, so I gave him the nod and, and uh, he switched the lights off and I, I just spoke in the dark, you know. So they couldn't, nobody could see each other. And it just calmed everybody down and, and we went out and annihilated them, you know. Once you know, but it could have been more. How much, uh, I mean, looking at that, that first final that you won, Against Camelon, how, how, how kind of uh, proud are you of the way that day went for you? And 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 how I mean, it went to extra time, didn't it? I think. 
It did, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a, I mean, obviously it was, a, it was a great achievement for a club six years old, if you like, as a junior club to win the Scottish Junior Cup, you know. Uh, it was, it was, Kenwood had won it the year before. They won it the year before, so... Uh, and a kind of trend, that's a kind of trend uh, we in junior football. If you look back at history, you know, a team wins it and then they're, they're still strong and they get the final and somehow lose, you know. Probably... Walking like a park, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a great day. It was the, the preparation went exceptionally well. Uh, that was probably one of my strengths. If you like, I, I, I prepare, you know, I, I'm big on preparation. It has to be everything has to be done, you know, uh, properly and timing everything. The time of the buses getting there, leaving there, doing that, moving on, you know, every everything. And I was a big uh, believer in arriving at the ground we know you know if you're a junior team going to a senior ground the players are wandering about and looking about and prior to the game and some could get start getting nervous you know I, I, I preferred in we you know 50 minutes to kick off and in, into changing room out in the park I wouldn't even allow to wander about on the pitch you know it was just my, my thing you know that's what I did but it worked and and you 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 won that that final obviously then you left and then it, I mean 2001 you came back and and it couldn't have gone much better for you there that second time around people say never to go back don't they Yeah well uh, I kind of left uh, I resigned at Arbroath um, mainly doing uh, the lack of support you know I got through the board at the time you know and uh, so. And my old captain, Andy Summerhall, was the manager, and he'd just resigned at Tayport. And secretary asked me to go back. And I'd obviously went back into a team that Andy had. And they were, I think, I mean, they were now on winning the league anyway. And I obviously took him on to win the league. And we got to the semi finals of the Scottish and lost to Lisbon Rose. Uh, they went on to win it. We lost at Livingston's. We lost 2 1 at Olivia's ground. And then. Uh, the following season we played Lamarthgo in the final and we beat them 1-0 after extra time it's, it's uh, a good time did you get Jack Black back in at all or, or, or did, you, uh, did you take <laughs> no, on no I didn't, didn't need Jack Black then didn't need <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean you've, you've had so many experiences there at, at, at Tapeport I mean because in the following year was it you, you lost to Carnoustie Panmere on penalties the following in the following? Yeah, year? That's, that was at that, that Hill, I think. That was one of the worst games I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it was nil nil after extra time. They'd introduced a new ball for some reason. It was like a balloon. You know, the players couldn't control it. it was, uh, but that was probably Bobby Geddes, the goalie coach. Well, it's goalkeeper, Dundee goalkeeper. And that Bobby keeper. was in the goal for them. He was player manager. And I think he saved two or three of the penalties, you know. So it was his final, really, and Bobby did well, you know. It was good. End of dates. When when would you think that two Tayside teams would compete in a, a, a Junior Cup final, you know? Yeah, and travel down to Farhill. Exactly. It's an absolute bizarre situation, <laughs> that, isn't it? You've drove by yeah. Dents, Tanadice, and uh, McDermott Park to get there. Yeah, but I think after that final, I kind of got a bit fed up, you know, I got a bit frustrated and, and 
uh, oh, friend of mine, Scott Burns, who's a reporter up uh, Scott, uh, you know Scott, and Scott yep. says to me, look, how can beat are looking for a manager, you know? And I say, well, ask him, you know? So uh, I went up to meet Gordon McDougall in Beath. And I jumped into his car and drove around, this is a train ground, this is a train ground, we train here sometimes, we train here sometimes, and I'm like myself, I must say the joke here, it's not going in an interview, <laughs> you know? And that's just the end of the thing. I said, you want me to be your manager? Oh, yeah, did you not realise that? <laughs> so that was the interview, you know? I could see how you were scunnered winning all these Scottish Cups. Dave, that was, ah, uh, <laughs> oh, yes. As a as a bummer, that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. no, you, you always want a new challenge, don't you? <laughs> we're kind of linked into that, though. You, I mean, we'll come maybe we'll look more at Cowden and Beast in a, in a moment. But when you then came back in 2013 to Tayside, it was a different club then, wasn't it? They were, I think, they were bottom of the Super League with just a point from 11 games, and then you yeah. had to relegation to bounce back. And I guess that was a different type of management skill set required there to kind of turn things around slowly but surely? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I, I genuinely, at that point, I think I'd, I'd managed up on Lithgow. Uh, well, I left East Fife and went on Lithgow and then Bellingery for a, a season. Uh, and then I decided, I, I told the chairman at Bellingery, that's me finished, you know, and, and that was going to be me finished, you know, but... Uh, I got a phone call for Abby Oswald. Hey, Gav, what are you up to? Okay. I knew exactly what he was going to come back. I said, what do you want, Abby? And he says, oh, come on, I want to meet you. Okay. <laughs> so back again for a third time. So, But uh, as I say, at that time, things were starting to change. You know, the, the different sort of generation changing, if you like, came back to it. But, and as you say, we, we were... Bought, I think we bought the league when I went in, but <clears throat> and I, I didn't save the relegation, but we did win the league, you know, the Premier Division, if you like, yeah. the, the next season, you know. Was was that also tougher because maybe on a on a financial sense, Tayport couldn't then compete, you know, to bring in the the, the quality of player that you would like to bring in to your your sides, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I mean, from a financial point of view, you know, you're obviously competing against, you know, Lamithgo, Rosebone, Essa, these teams who, you know, are probably three times the gate that we get, you know, and, uh, and other incomes as well and sponsorship stuff, you know. It wasn't easy. And, uh, and Tayport was kind of going on the decline, if you like, you know. Uh, there wasn't a player up in the area. You know, in the region, you know, Tayside, Dundee, the quality of players dropping. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, Tayport were a victim of that, you know. And just before we finish the, the section on, on Tayport, I guess we, we should mention the game this weekend. It's it's uh, it's only the, the fourth game of the season, but it's a, it's a big one already, isn't it, against Dundee East Craigie. The two of you both got maximum points, nine, nine points out of nine. Uh, you're travelling through there after beating four for West End on the weekend just gone. Is it uh, all set for a, a big game this weekend there? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, uh, uh, Sean Walkway was my uh, the manager at East Creek was my captain. At, at, uh, he was captain in that 96 team. Sean uh, has done worked wonders with East Creek. Uh, he really has. Just, you know, young side 
and they won the well the the, the league when it, when the COVID came in they were miles ahead in the league and it, for some reason they didn't get awarded the title which is kind of crazy like you know but uh, so Sean he's got them buzzing they're a good side of any sort of uh, side for higher divisions that's played them in the past couple of seasons they've raised their game to beat them but now uh, I would say their game's just there now is you know is raised you know they are there so and they're young side fit and well organised and they score goals so it's going to be tough for us but you know if we if we play to the best of our ability we will beat them. My name's Callum Graham, Ashfield striker, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Ashfield have signed former Arthur Lee and Neilston defender Mark Blakey while Mabel have a new assistant manager, with Stuart Peacock returning for a second spell. Johnny Bailey has also joined as a coach. Defender Don McLaren has joined Cumbernauld Colts from Peters Hill, while midfielder Craig Quinn has joined brother Glenn, Glenn Cairn on a loan until the end of the season. Philip Rovers have signed midfielder Gary Fleming. He has a wealth of experience, including spells at Urban Meadow, Dumbarton, Alloa, and most recently, Kilburning Rangers. My name's Chris Jane and I'm the Cowan and Rangers manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. K-pop legend David Bakey is our guest this week. How would David Bakey the manager describe David Bakey the player, would you say? I can't remember David Bakey the player, to be honest <laughs> with you. That long ago. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, as a player, I was a kind of late developer, if you like. I played boys football, uh, but uh, I stopped and disappeared off the face of the earth for about three or four years uh, and started back playing for an amateur team when I was close to 20 uh, and then uh, a mate of mine played for Brotty Athletic and he had spoke to the manager and I went up and had a couple of games for them and ended up signing for them You know, so I started there with Brotty Athletic the manager was a guy called Tommy Mackle, who played for Celtic and Dundee. Tommy, I must say that he helped me no end to, to become the player I was, you know. Uh, I was a midfield player early on in amateur football, but ended up uh, by default going uh, as a striker and I scored a couple of goals and ended up a striker the rest of my career, if you like, you know. But I quickly moved to Lockheed United from Brody and then Obviously, uh, the Greer brothers were the managers there. We had a bit of success, got the semis of Scottish, won two or three leagues and quite a lot of cups, you know, and then moved on to Downfield, who did the same. We got the semi-final, lost to Pollock and, um, uh, you know, won three or four leagues and cups, you know. So I I, I was a striker. Uh, I was good in the air, had one foot. Uh, I left foot, the right foot was murder. Mind you, I did score a goal for Scotland uh, with my right foot, which was uh, a rarity. But uh, the the juniors team? Yeah, I played for the Scotland junior team quite a few times, you know. But uh, so I had a good playing career, you know. Uh, I had a brief spell at Beacon City. uh, And I was supposed to be getting signed, but the manager got sacked and... uh, I, I never that never materialised. So, uh, but 
So my entire career really in junior football and I enjoyed every minute of it and I played till I was about 36. Those Scotland caps that you talk about, um, proud, proud moment and was, was that in the more like the sort of the home nations tournaments that, that still run on today? Yeah, I mean, you, you played, uh, uh, well, I played against Northern Ireland, Wales, England. The English team was sort of like the Northern Premier League select, if you like, you know. We played a number of games against the Highland League select back then. I think that happens nowadays, but I think the junior, Scottish juniors are, well, it's probably gone now, isn't it, with the, with the, the association breaking up, but it was a great time, you know. It's an honour to go and play for your company, you know, at any level, so... It was good fun, you know, and uh, enjoyed every minute of it. And at what stage did it start sort of seeping in that you might fancy staying in the game, you know, as a coach or as a manager? Yeah, I think, as uh, you know, I started getting in the 30s. Uh, I, I had a, a good relationship with uh, my coach, uh, George Greer. And uh, I used to, during the day, I would maybe meet up with him and we'd sit and blather for, you know, hours on end about the team. And, you know, and it, it got me really uh, hooked into, into coaching and management, you know. Uh, and I did become a coach at, at Downfield, where he's uh, one of the, the management team, you know. And I, I was a coach. I went on, went into Largs and uh, got badges and... You know, so I was kind of itching, but they were they were never going to allow me to. They were brothers, and they would never allow me to really, uh, you know, have my say, if you like. I'd have my say, but it was their say, really. So, uh, you know, so I, I was itching to start to move on, and obviously the approach with Peter Marr to go to Tayport was a. Um, I was dying for that to happen, so it happened, you know. We've we've talked about. Tayport. I know we've touched on some of your spells in the senior levels. I mean, we talked about our growth and going in there and having so few players. I mean, they, they were bottom of the third division when you went in, weren't they? And, and as we've said, you, you took them to promotion. But was, was, was there a... We talked about the levels and the quality, but what, what do you think distinguished, for example, you know, your spell there? To the juniors, you know, was was it was it the sort of the profile of the club? Just was it the club, or what, what were the differences you found working at that level? Uh, well, there wasn't a huge difference, to be honest with you. You know, I, I mean, from uh, an organisation side of things, I, I thought to be honest, Tapeport were, uh, you know, a lot better organised. Uh, you know, and, and I got more support for the Tayport committee, and there was only a committee at Arbroath. It wasn't a board of directors at that time, you know. So, I mean, there was some, some probably some nine working guys that were on the committee at Arbroath, you know. So it was, you know, it wasn't a, a huge difference. Obviously, the difference was you were playing in Scottish third division, and they had a bigger, you know, they got a bigger gate and a, a much better ground, you know. But uh, Fundamentally, you're just working with players, you know, uh, and if you could, you know, I, I, I found it quite comfortable no matter what, you know, and as, and as we improved and, the, the, you know, more quality I got in, uh, you know, 
it, it was easy enough for me to manage them, you know, if you like, you know. Uh, but I did have a lot of good players at Arbroath, and it was a great time as well. Was it easier to attract a player to Arbroath because of playing in the third division? And and how did your wage budgets compare from from the the juniors to to the seniors? Uh, there was a, there was a huge difference uh, financially. Uh, I would say, you know, I mean, my players back at uh, Tayport would uh, back in the day they wouldn't get a wage, so we just take a signing on fee at the start of the season, you know, and a lot of them were just weren't really interested in the money. They would just say, "I'll oh, give me it at Christmas or whatever," you know. So uh, there wasn't a, uh, you know, that was easy. But at our growth, there was obviously they had a, a much bigger income and and. Uh, we gates and obviously the the money they got for the SFA and stuff like that and being in Scottish Cups and stuff. So there was a big difference financially, you know, and I was obviously able to attract uh, better players, you know. And we did, uh, I mean, we had a lot of players for the West. I mean, in the last season or so, I think I had about 11 or 12. We had a minibus school coming up for the West Coast, you know, and uh, to this day, these guys still meet up once a year and have a a bevy, you know. Uh, so obviously uh, it was great for them. But uh, but I changed. I actually changed the training at Arbroath because it was two nights at Arbroath, and uh, you know the West guys. It was it was unfair on them, you know. So I, I changed the training to Perth. It was, uh, we trained in Perth one night, so everybody travelled, you know. And I think they, they respected that. That the guys for the West respected that. That we, you know, I. Pushed the boat to you know to save the travel and it, it, it went you know harmonised everybody you know and everybody travelled so a few our growth guys went mump and moan how we you know <laughs> our growth excuse my friends uh, our growth and we're uh, having to travel to Perth you know to train but that's the way it was and it worked well. Obviously, you touched on there, Dave, that uh, you had guys travelling from, from Glasgow. How did you go about recruiting players? Did you have a network of contacts or scouts that you would send out to watch games? Or was it more players you played against that you would say, you know, I think he could do a job here? How did you go about doing that? I think that was, you know, the latter there. I think that's what I did, really. You know, I would play against a team and say, you know, he, he would do a job for us, like, you know. And I, basically... Uh, Spent, I mean, I hardly had a day off in the summer. You know, when the season ended, I was all over, all over the country. You know, every night I was driving to Ayrshire, Glasgow, Edinburgh, meeting players, you know, and getting knockbacks and move on to the next one, you know. Uh, and I, I put in the work to get them, you know. And, of course, one, maybe you might sign the player. I mean, I remember signing uh, uh, George Rowe for Queen of the South. And... and um, George says, I think Stevie Marlin might fancy it, you know, and I think uh, Tommy Bryce might fancy it, you know, and uh, and Big Jimmy Thompson might fancy it, and I got the four of them, you know. Uh, uh-huh. So, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, it's just, you just keep working away, and, you know, and at the end of the day, I, I, my philosophy was, you know, You've got to improve every time. You've got to get. If there's a better left back out there, you've got to take them. You know, or try, you've got to try and get them to improve your team. You know, and that's basically the way, the way I did it. And what about Cowdenbeath? I mean, Cowdenbeath's a, a fairly unique 
club, I guess, or it's certainly got a unique ground, doesn't it, with Central Park and the stock cars and everything. That was a, that must have been a, uh, an experience as well. It was, it was strange, uh, uh, Beef, you know, it was, uh, it was difficult uh, for me going in there as well. They were struggling as well. I mean, they, I think they finished second or third bottom of the, of the, the league, you know. But uh, again, we made improvements and we finished third in the league. I think uh, Gretna won the league. I mean, they won every league they were going up, but you know, I mean, Gretna were, and Peter Head had a good side then as well, you know. So we, we just finished outside. And the next season, obviously, they went on to uh, when I left. I tried to sign Mitsu Pataline, and uh, Mitsu was a coach at St. Nun at the time. And, uh, full-time coaches at Mum, so uh, I'd ask them to come and play for us on a Saturday and just train away for, you know, if you get yourself fit, but he decided against it, but the chairman must have thought, you know, when I left, uh, I'll get Mitsu. So Mitsu followed me and they went on to win the league. You know, I think he only added his two, I think his two younger no, brothers, he added them to the squad, you know, that was the only change he made, so. But in fairness to Mitsu, he called me when they won the league. He said, thank you for leaving me the squad that uh, you did. You know? Which was good one. Mm. And then you, you obviously, then you went to East Fife. That was kind of a turbulent spell in their history, kind of when you went in there to begin with, wasn't it? But you led them to the third division title in 2008. Yeah. Uh, well, I'd left Cowden Beath and I was only out the game for about a couple of weeks and I went to Bonesse. I was a manager of Bonesse, but then East Fife came uh, and, and moved to them. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was at the time there was a lot of uh, the fans were up in arms about the you know the the people who run the club, you know, uh, and there was boycotts and stuff like that at the time, you know. But uh, I, I kind of just came in near the end of that, you know, the, the chairman resigned and uh, Willie Gray who he, he became the chairman um, who was fantastic with me like you know he was a great guy and very uh, supportive you know so from that point we, we kind of started to go in the right direction as a club you know and then you left you guided them to the third division title then, then you left less than a, a year after that and then eventually yeah. ended up in how did all that kind of about. Well, uh, it was really we'd. Um, it was a boardroom problem, you know. I think I'd got called into a board meeting uh, whenever it was a Thursday night or a Monday night, whenever. And the the, the vice chairman uh, said said to me, uh, "There's been a change in the board, and uh, I'm becoming chairman, and Willie Gray is stepping down." As vice the vice chairman, but Willie Gray was uh, Willie Gray was on a on a cruise somewhere. He never even knew about this. It was a, obviously a coup had happened in, in the in the boardroom, and you know, and I, f- I felt really strongly about it. That, you know, Willie had supported me so much, and when Willie got back for his cruise, we, I think we played Queen's Park at Hamden, and uh, um. I remember the, the, the vice chairman saying to me, or the new chairman, if you like, said to me uh, at, at the boardroom, he says, I don't know nothing about football. That's why I hire a manager. Uh, and, and after the Queen's Park game, we'd lost 2-1. We were struggling for the team, actually, if I recall. 
And he says to me uh, at the end of the game, he said, that's not good enough. Uh, and I said, you don't know nothing about football. How do you tell me it's not good enough? Because you just told me that on Monday night. <laughs> and I, I, I can see what I, I see. What I see, you know. And I said, well, uh, I phoned him on the Sunday. I, thought, I spoke to Willie Gray on the, on the Saturday, and I phoned the, the new chairman on the Sunday and said, look, I'm I'm going to resign. Uh, I put it quite uh, well. I think I just said to him, look, I think you as the new chairman should have a, a new manager. You know, your own man. You know. <laughs> I got out of there quick. <laughs> and and I mean, but it, you went out of management again for a long way. You went into Linlithgow and more Junior Cup success there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, how that came about was Jason Dare. You know, Jason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason was struggling with me with, with a calf injury. He just couldn't shake it off. Uh, and he Linlithgow were looking for a manager. And uh, so he wrote a letter to the secretary of Lamusco applying for the job, and he come to me and says to me, "Would you, Gaffer, would you give you know you know the secretary of Lamusco? Would you put in a word for me?" And I said, "Yeah, I will." You know, so I phoned the secretary and said, "Look, you, I believe you got a letter for Jason Dare. He worked under a lot of manage, good managers and stuff like that, you know." Uh, and he says, "He says, well, it's actually somebody like you I'd like as an experienced manager, you know." And I said, well, that's not going to happen, you know. Uh, three days later, I was a free man, you know. I was uh, so he phoned me immediately when, when he had seen in the press that I'd resigned and uh, uh, ended up at Lithgow. So uh, that was a good spell as well. And did Jason Dare follow you? In? Did he come with <laughs> no, you? No, <laughs> he phoned me up and said, "You gives up me, gaffer." <laughs> <laughs> but nah, he's fine, you know. Uh, but so I was, I was basically, you know, I wasn't out of football for a week, you know, and I went to Lamasco, you know, and uh, I remember the secretary saying to me, they were struggling, they were struggling, they were about second or third bottom in the league, which is unusual for Lamasco, but he says to me, look, I'm just wanting you to consolidate us in this league because I'm, I'm petrified that we go down, and uh, he says, and as far as the Scottish Cup's concerned. That's that's just not going to happen. <laughs> and we won the Scottish and finished the runners up in the league and won oh, two yeah. cups. <laughs> did you make many changes, Davey, or did, was it was uh, it probably a couple, but no huge, you know, no huge uh, change, you know. So, uh, but it was a, you know, it was a great a great season in the end, you know. Was, uh, so, what was the change then, Dave, from them being a struggling team to a uh, to obviously going on and, and having the success they did, did you have to, you know, bring in the psychology stuff, or did you just sort them out and change the shape and <laughs> set yeah, them up differently? I, I mean, well, I do what I do, you know, and, and that's that's. It. I mean, obviously, it, it worked, you know. Uh, it works. I don't know. Do you say it's a, it's a you know, a, a combination of man management. Uh, fitness levels, you know, organisation, what you say before, you know, the motivational side as well. Uh, but it worked, you know. You know, I've known you now for 25 minutes and you're a true fifer. You give nothing away, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fifer. <laughs> you're a Dundonian. <laughs> <laughs> 
because of how much you achieved so so quickly there, then did you feel a bit hard done by when you got sacked the following? Was it November 2011? I think. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's probably no for me to say, but uh, I, I I was. Um, I think the then secretary who, you know, Mr. Lernusco, you know, um, he was behind it really, you know, I think uh, we, we'd lost, we, we had a, we'd played a, a we'd drawn in the Scottish Cup to Bonness. now you can imagine Lernusco versus Bonness, you know, it was second or third round of the Scottish, and uh, we were to meet at the club, I had the, pre-match lunch organised. I tended to do that prior to the Scottish Cup, you know, met and did a late training session. Uh, had had uh, a pre-match and I would do the team talk in the hotel or at the, in this instance in the Lethal Social Club because it was just in the road to Bonness. But there was a horrendous traffic jam. Uh, we, 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 we missed the, the training, we missed the, myself, two assistants and uh, one of the players missed uh, everything so the preparation was I just said oh, we'll have to just meet you at Bowness and I got there about 20 to 3 or you know 20 minutes before kick off you know so the preparation was out the window you know and we were 2-0 down within 20 minutes and one of my, the player that travelled with me got sent off so we ended up losing 2-1 uh, and of course maybe uh, the, then the secretary thought, you know, this is maybe a time to get rid of him, you know, he was he was becoming bigger than him anyway, so that, you know, that was, uh, I think that was, a, you know, the train of thought for them, you know, but uh, that's what it is, that's football, isn't it, I mean, I've no fell out with Andy on this go, I, I would go through there and welcome, and, you know, it's, you know, it's a good time, you know, uh, and there was an admission later that it was a bad move that they'd done, you know. Because kind of went. I've got to say, from a supporter's point of view, if you're a Lithgow supporter, this guy's come in, he's changed the fortunes of the team, and then within another twelve months, you're out the door. You, you'd be disappointed, and certainly asking questions. I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was. Um, let's see, it was a, it was a difficult time for me. At the end of the day, it's you know I, I had three years at Lithgow, and. That was their decision. Uh, the fans, certainly, I think the fans were happy, but like everything, you move on, you? you know, it's just a, maybe a wee, a small period where the fans are unhappy. I mean, it, it happened to me at Arbroath as well. You know, the players were up, the, 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 you know, the directors and the committee at the time, you know, saying they're not going to play on the Saturday and all this stuff, but it just moves on. You, you just move on in football, that's the way it is. And I guess everything happens for a reason. Two years later, yeah. you're back to Tapeau and and uh, you know you are where you are now, if you like. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, as I say, uh, I, I, I feel that uh, coming back to Tapeau was, uh, you know, I, I did, as I say, I didn't want to go back into management and junior football, but I did only because it was Tapeau and uh, and. I didn't want to go in the committee side of things, but I did because it's Tapeau and and it's just sin the blood, isn't it? You know. But uh, I mean, I'm sure of the phone rings now, and it's uh, 
Glasgow Celtic or something, I might consider it getting back in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got previous to doing 10 in a row before, he said. Exactly. <laughs> well, that was a headline, by the way, in the evening. There you go. I'm sure there's two teams down this neck of the woods would be grateful for that. Yeah, well. My name's Tommy Sloan, Auchinleck Talbot manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Which brings us to Inside the Mind. Each week we'll put our guests on the spot to look deep into their psyche and discover some hidden stories. Right, Davey, uh, who was your idol as a boy? My idol as a boy, uh, well, when I was a, a boy, I was a hip supporter, uh, a Dundonian hip supporter, uh, which is probably quite strange. But uh, just my two older brothers, one was Dundee, one was Dundee Celtic, and, and, and they said, you're not getting the support Dundee or Celtic. So I ended up supporting Hibs. And uh, so my hero was Joe Baker. Uh, you maybe not remember him, but he, he, he was okay. uh, a great striker. Played for Paul's team, played for New Mainz, Paul, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And there you go. Uh, Joe Baker was my hero by a country mile. What was it you liked about him? Well, he was just, uh, you know, he's, he was a goal machine and... Uh, they say I used to when I was a kid, you know, you got these stickers and stuff for the things, and you know, he he was he just he was uh, somebody I idolised as a as a young boy, you know. So Joe Baker, the Hibs. Who's the toughest opponent you faced? The toughest opponent. Uh, well, uh, I would I would probably say if I stick to junior football. Uh, well, I never played senior football really, but uh, I would say. I had some fantastic battles with a boy called Mike McManus who played for Lockheed Hart. You know, uh, Mike was a, a good player. Uh, you know, he, no quarters. I was the same. We used to come off the park uh, and we'd not tell each other, but we were best of friends off it, you know. So uh, probably Mike McManus. And a manager, managerial, I would say maybe Jock Finlayson in the Hallibeef. Myself and Jock again. Uh, Jock, did fantastic with Hellebeath. I mean, they were a young team when they won the Scottish Cup, you know, as a, you know, about six or seven year old as a club. Uh, and I always had really great battles to put Hellebeath, you know. So I'd say Jock Finlayson as, a, as the manager. What's the favourite football top you wore and why? Again, as a young boy, it would have to be, I remember getting a Hibs away strip. Oh yeah. Uh, for my Christmas, uh, when I was only seven or eight, and that, that I, I think I took it off my back for about three months or something, you know. But probably that, or maybe a Scotland top when I got my first yeah. cap for Scotland, probably. You know, either or. Who is the best player you've played with? Best player I played with. Uh, well, I would I would probably say. Uh, my striking partner at Lockheed United, Brian Flynn, uh, between the two of us, you know, we used to knock each other at the road to put the ball in the net. Uh, myself and Brian, we scored a lot of goals for Lockheed United, and I was good in the air, and he could put them away. So I would say Brian Flynn. And last of all, what's the best practical joke you've seen? You must have seen a few practical jokes in your time, David. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I remember uh, I was telling you about the preparation I used to do. I always used to, before a big game in the Scottish Cup, I would go, I would ask uh, a club if I could uh, train in, on their ground in the morning and then we'd do, have a pre-match meal. So we were at Bayliston Juniors, you remember them? Way back? Mm-hmm. I think they went to Funk in the early 2000s. Uh, I, 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 got, I trained through there when I was on a course and uh, I knew the, the Jim Cook. And he, he was, he, he uh, let us come and train. So we're physiotherapist Andy Bell. He's Andy's back with us now. He's about 85, you know, and he's a great character, you know. He would be rubbing the players' legs or he got a wee strain and he would, he would be rubbing and he would say, how's the wife, you know, how's she keeping that? Is she wearing the sussies and that? Is she? Or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this day, my assistant under his tracksuit put, uh, stockings and suspenders on <laughs> so I'd say to one of the players run in and get Andy he's pulled his hamstring so he runs in and Andy comes running out you know and, right Mel what's, what's wrong I've pulled my hamstring so he pulls his tracks with bottoms down you know and he's got he's got stockings and suspenders <laughs> on <laughs> so you can imagine what Andy said I'll not say it but <laughs> there's a few swear words there <laughs> uh, brilliant Gareth likes to do that on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Aitken, East Coast Bay Manager, you're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider. Give us those clues again, Paul. Right. So they were founded in 1884. Their badge bears the initials of the club. They've got a dedicated fan base called the Chris Akabusi Loyal and they have an international supporters club based in Oslo, Norway. Right, Dave, Gareth scored it. I'm going to go with you. Uh, I've not a clue. Not a clue. It's a great answer. Gareth? I think you'll have managed there, Davey, before. Not not managed at the club, but uh, Stenhouse Muir. You're Warriors. correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go, the Warriors. The Warriors, okay. I don't know whether Chris Akabusi no, did. I can't remember, but I think I think I remember reading about it years ago. But um, the Oslo, the Oslo one gave. Because they've got they've got a stand in a bar in there as well, haven't they? And it's a the Norwegian or the Viking bar or something is called, isn't it? That's yeah. right. Davy, thanks for joining us, and uh, we wish you all the best for the rest of the season for the Tapeport, obviously, and. Um, Hopefully uh, things keep going well for you and obviously that at the end of the season you manage to work out where you end up in terms of leagues and everything. But uh, yeah, yeah. Hope, hope continued success for you in your, in your role as chairman. Uh, really, really appreciate you sharing your stories and, and looking back over things with us. Okay, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to our sponsors, 44 Creative. And don't forget you can get in touch with comments or suggestions for people to speak to or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show, our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Do leave a comment, which helps others find us, and subscribe to get alerts when the latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. Down the Divisions.